truth, perspective, and growth. This is the Michael Carroll Discipleship Podcast. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. And we all have decisions we make. And many of us think that we can learn the decisions that bring us the best results for us. And then we call that wisdom. But that's not wisdom, my friend. That's living dangerously on the boundaries of idolatry. Well, this is the Discipleship Podcast, and I'm Michael Carroll, your host and your friend as we navigate God's Word together. Here at Discipleship Podcast, we believe that God's Word is the source of all truth and revelation from God. And from this, we can receive and understand the deeper meaning and purpose of not only our existence, but also what God desires for us and from us. When we take scripture seriously, then God takes us seriously, and we are invited into a lifelong commitment and relationship of partnering with God to fulfill his creative purposes in this world, in us and through us. So today we're going to touch on some deeper theology of the topic of wisdom and how this is actually a crucial piece of our perspective in life and how wisdom plays an important role in God's redemption plan as well as his creation project. I'm excited to get into this topic. This is an important topic to kind of understand and so we'll just get right into it. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we bow low before you, God. We come low into your presence, Lord. We surrender our hearts to you. We surrender our thoughts to your thoughts. And as we humbly approach your throne, covered in the lifeblood of your son, Jesus, we ask for you to open our hearts and minds into your presence. Allow us to receive from your Holy Spirit as you lead us into all truth. God, we ask that you give us wisdom, give us instruction, and like a loving father, correct our anxious hearts and align us to your will in our lives. We want to know you, and we believe it's through your word, God, that we can begin to see you for who you really are. So give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to respond in humility and meekness. And we give you all the honor and glory for all that we experience along the way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today is episode three of Essentials, and we'll be talking about wisdom and how this is actually a huge piece of theology. Wisdom, as some of you may know, is a supernatural attribute of God's. Without God, there is no wisdom. And with God, we have access to the fullness of the wisdom that this world was ordered and staged to flourish under. Now, when I ask someone randomly in life, what do you think wisdom is? I would get a wide variety of answers. Some would tell me that they think wisdom is knowing a whole lot of information, or some might say that it's having a lot of experience. Some might even claim that it's the ability to make good decisions. But to understand what wisdom really means, you have to first understand the source of where wisdom comes from, and then you can properly place that in the context, in the context of what wisdom actually is. Because although all the answers that were mentioned just now may play a little role or part of, of, part of what, what wisdom can do, they don't clearly define what wisdom is. And one of the first revelations that we receive in Scripture 
is of this source. It's of God and, and creation. In the very first verse of the Bible, we learn a couple important pieces of theology that will actually help us to piece together very crucial things to know as we navigate the rest of the scripture. It's been said, and I, I really believe this, that without Genesis 1, there is no rest of the Bible. And if you can't believe it, believe Genesis 1-1, then there doesn't matter what, what you read from that point forward, everything falls apart. The very first verse of the very first chapter of the very first book of the Bible sets the groundwork for the rest of Scripture. In Genesis 1, we read, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, so much can be said from this one verse. And in fact, we could do a whole series just off this one verse. But here's the important piece we need to look at when looking at how this actually applies to wisdom. First, we see in the beginning, there was a God. In the beginning, God. We can see that this God must not have a beginning because if that was the case, then this sentence would have to read differently. It would have to say, in the beginning, before God, or in the beginning, as God was becoming God, or even in the beginning of God. But we don't read that. It's simply, in the beginning, God did something. So we see God is able to do something before there was a beginning. So he must be self-sufficient and able to do things without the support of anything else, including time. So God existed before anything. In fact, he has always existed and always has been. That's what we're reading in this first verse. Isaiah's chapters 40 through 55 will constantly repeat this theme, and we see it a little in chapter 44, verse 6. The Bible reads, thus says the Lord, the King and Redeemer of Israel, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. There is no God but me. Or Revelation 21, 6, and he told me it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give freely from the spring of the water of life. And I think you get the point. Honestly, I could exhaust the scriptures of all the claims and declarations of God's self-sufficiency. But if you are to understand any of God's attributes, you have to understand certain aspects of God. And one mainly being this. He is God. And he always has been God. He always will be God. And he is an unending source. So, in the beginning of God setting out on creation, he had everything within himself to accomplish this task. He didn't need help. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now we are going somewhere. So now we can see that not only is God self-sufficient and unending, but he is also creative, which shows us that he has a mind. He can create. Now stop and pause for a second. Look around you if you're outside or imagine your surroundings if you're inside. Look at the stars. Look at the skies, the feeling of the wind, the sound of the birds, the light shining from the sun, the wonderful balance of land and sky, vegetation, plants and animals, the beauty, the wonder, the absolute majesty of nature is all a piece of this very first verse. This creative purpose that God set out on, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is a wonderful piece of theology to hold on to. That the God we are blessed enough to know and worship is an unending source and well of creativity and purpose. 
He doesn't end. He started something, which can only lead us to certain conclusions about how things can or should end. Now, understanding the creative aspect of God, the unending aspect of God, and Him being the eternal source of all that we know and experience in regards to creation, then we need to fast forward a few verses. The next two chapters of Genesis gives us a series of stages of creation. They are, in a sense, resembling an ordering of a space for God's presence to dwell. Over the past few decades or so, many scholars have gathered data from the Dead Sea Scrolls discovery back in the 1940s, and they have learned a lot about the ancient Near Eastern culture. One of the discoveries or ideologies that have come from this pursuit of information has been what's known as temple theology. All throughout the Bible, we will see references and themes that connect the Old Testament temple to the creation project design of connecting heaven and earth. So in a sense, we can see that the temple was the place where heaven and earth dangerously came together. In the beginning, before man's failure brought corruption and idolatry, God set man up in the garden to live in his presence. In the garden, there was order, there was unity. This was, in a sense, sacred space. And because this space was pure, God's presence and human life lived amongst each other safely. However, in the time of the Exodus, when God was getting ready to embark upon restoring his presence back to humans for the first time since the fall, there were several severe and strict orders and regulations to make sure Israel maintained the purity of God's sacred space. We find these rules mostly in Leviticus, but also in Exodus and Numbers, and we see the severity of how dangerous heaven and earth uniting together can be when disorder and impurity is present. In fact, the Old Testament warns Israel all throughout Torah to not enter into the presence of God whenever they want or when they are in an unclean state or they will die right there. So what's going on here? Because at first, in the very beginning, we see a good and creative God who would order out his creative process and look upon what he had created and declare that it was good. Creation was good. Man and God walked with each other. So why do things look so differently when humans have to dangerously tread the line of worshiping God and be careful not to get too close? Well, the answer is actually simple, although it's difficult to grasp all at the same time. But to say it plainly, the world was ordered to be maintained by God's wisdom. And when humans reached outside of God's wisdom and attempted to subdue this world in their own efforts, failure brought chaos and purity. And this major failure of leadership, and to say it another way, failure to be humans the way God designed them to be, brought this this a sense of chaos and disorder and dysfunction that we see today. So did wisdom or a lack of wisdom play a part in the condition of the world we see today? It's an interesting thought. It's an interesting question to think about. But if this is true, has this affected humans' ability to be in God's presence? So I'll put it another way. We see mankind stepping outside of God's wisdom and attempting to subdue the world, which was their command, Genesis 1, 26 to 28, in their own efforts. And this failure brought chaos and they failed to bring 
this sense of order and ruling and subduing this world in a healthy way. So did this lack of wisdom affect their ability to be in God's presence? Because in Leviticus, we see such a strict order of regulations of needing to be pure in order around a temple. It's an interesting question to think about. Well, to answer this question, we need to look at creation from another portion of Scripture. This time in Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 12, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. Verse 22, the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago, at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there was no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. I, wisdom, was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day. Rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in mankind. Well, here we can clearly see that wisdom was present with God as he was creating and ordering his creation project. Now, we already know that God is one and he is unending. So, wisdom is not a divine being in herself, although you can read Proverbs 8 and Think of it as wisdom being their own separate person. Wisdom is seen in this scripture as an attribute of God, but not separate from God. It was through wisdom that God was creating. In verse 2 of Genesis, we read about a formless void, which gives us a glimpse into an element of disorder that God would come up against in this creation process. He would create order out of disorder in a sense and in this process would create boundaries and foundations that would serve to keep nature in check. These boundaries can be seen as universal laws and they don't change. For example, no one today in their right mind will go jump off a bridge and expect for the universal law of gravity to be different that day. Well, I hope they don't do that, because if they did that, depending on how high they are up, they're probably going to die. And if they did it today, they would probably die. If they did it tomorrow, they would most likely die. Why? Because the universal law of gravity is not going to change, just like God does not change. But the weather changes, time changes, people change, we all know that's true. So we see that these universal laws, these boundaries that are set in place through the wisdom of God to keep nature in balance are different from nature itself. Just like God's wisdom and man's wisdom are completely different. Are you following me? Man's wisdom is changing, fluctuating, fickle. God's wisdom is eternal and never changing. So here we are, okay, with the first human couple, Adam and Eve, created to function, rule, and subdue this world with wisdom from above. Tragically, they decide to go a different route, and now they're stepping outside of the order and unity of the garden. They're, they're walking into the wilderness 
The very world that they were called to put into order is the very world they're stepping into without the presence and wisdom of God. In Genesis 1, 26 to 28, we read about them being told to be fruitful and multiply, multiply and increase and rule and subdue the world. Now, there would be nothing to subdue if there was nothing to subdue, hence the need to subdue something. Are you following me? That there's a sense of disorder outside of the garden that God created mankind to go out and master. We had a job to do, and it was to stay in the lane of God's wisdom as we did it, to follow the universal law of life, the law, the boundary, the foundation that God set out. We were actually meant to succeed, not fail. We were actually created with the ability to succeed and not fail. We were given everything we needed to accomplish this task. The next time someone asks you a question like, well, if God really loved us, then why do people suffer? You can say, well, because people apparently like to do things their own way, don't you? (laughs) And isn't that true with everybody? And by the way, if they had all the answers that they're uh, that uh, to the questions um, that some people claim to be, then why are they asking so many questions? And I always wonder people who who ask so many questions about doubting God. I get it. I love people who ask questions. I have a million questions. Questions lead to answer. But when you have questions, you should be willing to admit that you don't have the answers. Isn't that correct? So the next time someone asks you, well, if God really loved you, then why do people suffer? Be like, that's a good question, but why do you do things your own way? Isn't, it, isn't that the case that uh, it's possible that maybe we've been doing things our own way in ways we shouldn't have? Anyways, to get back on track, this is what I need you to understand. We all need answers. None of us have the answers to all of life's questions. You know why? Because we all need wisdom. Wisdom is a fundamental aspect of creation that human beings need to survive, to thrive, and to live in a healthy and prosperous life. This is the way that it was designed. This is a universal foundation of this world. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 5 through 7 says this, get wisdom, get understanding, Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, though it costs all you have. Get understanding. There's a principle that Solomon is trying to show us here that we can all learn from. That wisdom from God is the source of order in life. And it all starts with the very essence of the human vocation, the human purpose, to worship God. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Come on. As we worship God, we gain access to His wisdom his presence, his insight. And as we worship God, we become the wise stewards he designed this world to be led by. This is the amazing part of new creation, of Holy Spirit baptism, of being a Christian, because we are the ones Jesus was talking about in John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, when he says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And as we worship God, We become the true humans he designed to reflect his image into this world. Paul would write about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory 
focus in on God's glory, on his presence, and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is Genesis 1 and 2 language. This is temple language. This is human vocation, that as we worship God, we become like God, which is really becoming the true version of ourselves, because like Genesis 1, 26 to 28 says, we are created in God's image to reflect his image into this world, like a temple, and maintain order and purity and justice in this world, like a temple, and steward his presence as we live like the wise stewards God formed us to be. And as we worship God, in other words, fear God, this is the beginning of wisdom. And isn't it interesting that this verse says in Proverbs 9 verse 10, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? Because just like God is unending, so is his source of wisdom that we have to pull from. And the first humans were to embark upon the creation project and grow into the wise, humble, and creative humans who would fill the earth and subdue it. Now, I said in our last couple episodes that the human that the first humans were not trained leaders. They were not experienced leaders. They did not know how to go and fill and subdue the world. They were to receive wisdom from God as they went about this process. However, they had plenty of wisdom to grow into. And it all started to, with, with them worshiping God. Again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. They were to grow into the mature, wise, and humble stewards this God that, that God created them to be, to go out and, and be successful in what God was calling them to do. And worshiping God was the beginning of that process. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, I've never met anyone who had all of the wisdom in the world all at once. And I've never met anyone who could say, I can't become any more wise. Now, I may have heard some people say that, but trust me, it wasn't true. There's no one in this world who can say, I have all the wisdom that there is to gain, or, or I can get all of the wisdom that God has to offer, that this world has to offer all at once. No, God is unending. We know that from Genesis 1. And so is his wisdom. So is the source of wisdom. So how does this apply to our lives? When the Holy Spirit came in Acts 2, we regained access to God's Spirit, His direction in our lives. And as people who now have the ability to receive wisdom from above, Paul's prayer is that we now grow in that wisdom. He, he talks about this in Ephesians when he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. It's, is this the same knowing that we are supposed that was supposed to happen in the garden right here? That's a good time to, that's a good question to think about. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. It sounds like Genesis 1 language. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Is the hope that he has called us to the, the same hope that he gave in Genesis 1, 26 through 28 to be in his image, to fill the earth and subdue it? Paul goes on to label this hope the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. 
while we know later throughout scripture that the inheritance is the blessing of Abraham, that Abraham becomes a blessing to the nations of the world. And ultimately what the inheritance is, is an adoption as the, a son or daughter of God into the family of God. So this sounds like community language. This sounds like God's Genesis 1 through 26 to 28 People going out into the world and, and filling the earth and subduing it and becoming the family of God. Paul is saying that our eyes need to be enlightened to the wisdom of God to know and understand the hope that he has called us to. Well, Revelation 21 tells us that this hope ends in new creation, a new heavens and a new earth, a total restoration of creation. So that the wisdom we needed in the beginning of Genesis 1, 26 to 28 is the same wisdom we will need in the heavens, in the new heavens, and new earth. And in this moment, we need this wisdom from above to properly live out our lives today, here and now. So we have new heavens and new earth. There's the total restoration of creation. We have the first initial call from God to go out in the earth, fill the earth and subdue it with wisdom from above. And in this intersection of this present age and the age that will pass, we are, we're called to gain wisdom. Paul is saying to learn about the hope, to gain wisdom from above so that we may know the hope to which he has called us and properly reflect God now. And isn't that true that when Solomon writes it like this, when he says, listen, my son, accept what I say and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. What we are seeing is a clear description of how wisdom is unchanging, and this world has certain boundaries that do not change e either. And in order to live healthy, safe, and protected, we need to walk in wisdom. Verse 14 says, do not set foot on the path of the wicked, which shows us that there is a path that has been worn out and traveled in human history that has not been traveled in wisdom. And look at history. We can all see that. We can all see the path of human arrogance and human ignorance that has taken us into places that we shouldn't have been. So in a sense, there is two paths you can take in life. God's path, which is paved in wisdom, or your own path, which is paved in idolatry and self-effort. But God is pleading for his children, his church, to listen to him. Proverbs 4 ends like this with, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ears to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the path for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. And we all have decisions we make. And many of us think that we can learn the decisions that bring us the best results for us. And then we call that wisdom. But that's not wisdom, my friend. That's living dangerously on the boundaries of idolatry. Because if you make decisions based upon what's going to get you what you want, you're making the same mistake Adam and Eve made when they reached out to gain on their own and outside of God's provision. 
But when our decisions are based upon God's Spirit leading us, God's Word directing us, and ultimately being open to being led, not by our own desires, but to fulfill our function as humans to worship God in spirit and truth, then we will be walking in heavenly wisdom from above. Proverbs 3 says, My son, do not forget my teaching. But keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. There is a way to life. There is a way to being human. There is a way to growing into the type of people that God created to lead this world. And that path is wisdom. And friends, Our only source of wisdom is worshiping God alone, not ourselves, not our money, not our jobs, not our own ambitions. When God becomes the source of our worship in everything we do, we have gained access to an unending source of wisdom that will keep you on the right path and take you in the right direction and open the right doors. You will not have to strive to find this. You will only have to surrender. I pray that you get a chance to spend some time alone with God and ask Him to show you areas that you need to surrender, changes that you need to make, habits that you need to break, or habits that you need to pick up. And ultimately, I pray that God will reveal himself to you in a powerful new way and you will surrender your life in worship of the one true God and begin your lifelong journey of living and growing in the wisdom of God. I hope you have a great day. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Michael Carroll Discipleship Podcast. Make sure to share this episode with your friends and also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at mcarrollnow. Have a great day. Until next time.